You're listening to the Empowering People More podcast with Eddie Perez. Welcome to the Empowering People More podcast. Gary, how are you today? Tremendous. Thank you so much uh, for being here. It's such a pleasure, honor, and I know we're going to have a lot of fun. Thank and you. And definitely learn a lot. Um, well, you know, what are you, just out of curiosity, what are you most excited about or looking into in 2022? That's a good question. I think probably the fact that I have not been at the helm of two businesses of this scale at the same time. You know, VaynerX exploded. We're up to 1,500 employees globally. Congrats. Thank you. Uh, VFriends has exploded. And so what I'm looking at is trying to be the most effective operator I can be uh, while balancing all, you know, my personal life and then, you know, really recognizing that the Gary V business is probably going to be the one in 2022 that has to take a slight step back. Sure. You know, I'm speaking dramatically less. Uh, I'm, I'm posting less content for the first time in eight years. Um, and I'm kind of excited about that evolution. Uh, the continued path of curiosity of what the consumer blockchain, aka NFTs, mean to everything. And, um, and then kind of continuing to push the things that I wrote about in 12 and a half when I do put out content or when I live my day to day, which is what does success and empire building look like when it's grounded in kindness and empathy and that excites me. Elaborate a little bit more on the excitement, like what you wrote about in 12 and a half. I think that I have a lot of attention on me and I recognize that. I think I have a lot of young attention on me and I feel like (laughs) I am very clear at 46 years old on what this is, which is you can be an assassin, you can be a juggernaut, you can be a massive winner and you don't have to compromise kindness and the way you roll. And I think that is a slight tweak on the way we've always known it. I think that there's been this cultural understanding for a very long time, decades, if not centuries, that sure. if you're gonna win in business, it's sharp elbows and it's this, and you know, it's very hard to bring the elements of soft skills, and so it feels heavy for me. It feels like a sense of responsibility. It feels like it's happening. It feels good. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's, uh, it's, it's rewarding to see, and I'm sure it's very rewarding for you. Yeah, I mean, we see, we see very ambitious 22-year-olds using words in their content that we've never seen before, and I feel like a small part of that, and it feels very nice. And for me, it feels nice not because I need it. For me, it feels nice because it makes me feel like it's the continue. It feels incredibly important to me because it feels like it's a nod to my mom. I kind of like see 17-year-olds on TikTok, 34-year-olds that are changing their lingo, talking about different things, and I sit there and say, I know that my vehicle was an impact on this, and then I go to my brain and be like, wow, my mom was parenting one human being in Edison, New Jersey in the 80s, pushing an agenda of accountability and kindness and just a lot of things, and like, look what's happening. And it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, and I know you talk about your mom a good amount and what she did, but, you know, tell us a little bit about your father and how he, you know, instilled that honor in you, because I know that's the thing that, as you say, makes you you. 
or me, as you yeah, said. Yeah, I talked, you know, you might have saw that clip where I got a little choked yeah. up, which was interesting because I don't usually go there. When I say me, like, to your point, there's so much good my mom gave me, but one thing my mom isn't, nor am I, and I'm evolving, hence the half and 12 and a half, is she's just not candorous. She, she tries to find her way around solving things through non-conflict and things of that nature. And I did that for a long time as an executive and it, it you know, it's a shortcoming uh, and I've gotten better at it. I, on the flip side, I don't think, even with that sh- shortcoming, mm-hmm. I've been very successful and I'm very happy of where I'm at. I just want to achieve to be better. But what I definitely know is the part that my dad was voracious about was not compromising your word. My dad, forget about lying or fraud, my dad struggled with basic embellishment. <laughs> so in other words, if somebody says it's if I was, he was 428, like, we, but he yeah, says like, 430? No, that's exactly right. Like oh, When wow. I was in the liquor store, he'd be like, how'd it go this, you know, how'd you do with the wine I asked you to sell? I'm like, dad, I sold 31 cases. And like that would be on Saturday afternoon. And on Monday, when he got around to it, I'd be in school. I'd like, like he would like come home late, but he'd be like, we sold 29 and a half cases. That's it. That's all he was saying. Walk away and be like, "Fuck!" Like he's really, <laughs> you know, he's really suffocating this exact shit. But there was a much bigger thing going on, which was systematically from fourteen to twenty-four. I would say fourteen to twenty-two, fourteen to thirty. My dad created a culture of your word is bond, and I had plenty of good honor, and I was a good dude. But like he definitely reeled it in, and I, I really do believe it had a huge impact on me. I think that um, I have such gift of gab. When you have that, you really can get away with murder. <laughs> and I think that he really helped me. And I think I could have been a worse version of myself without it. Let me phrase, I would have been a worse <laughs> version of myself. And I think for me, in hindsight, to the levels I got to of notoriety, the communication style I have, you know, a lot of people every day who first come across me take a very cynical point of view on me because of my energy. I'm empathetic to that. I'm very peace of mind knowing, thank God, I got built properly because I could have been the thing that they think I am. I don't think to the degree, I don't think I would have been a snake oil salesman or a fraud, but I'm dramatically tighter on like the truth because of my father. That's good. I mean... Obviously, parents play a huge role. In every in single person in this room and everybody who's watching it. They're, your parents are a core ingredient. Your DNA, which they have a lot to do with, but obviously there's a mix and there's others, grandparents and such, your parents, and then fucking outside, your environment. That's it. This shit's been mapped for a long time. It's super <laughs> real. Like, I am such a byproduct of being an 80s outside New Jersey kid. You know, like, kids don't go outside like I do. Like, they don't do that anymore. And so the real world hits children so much later. The real world hit a lot of us earlier. You know, when you're 9, 13, 17, and just out and about, and your parents don't know where you are, and there weren't phones, and like, you were more, now we're coddled as fuck. (laughs) And like, the real world comes later. And there's pros and cons to that. But it is what it is. I'm a byproduct of... My DNA, my parents, but what if I was, what if we didn't get lucky and got out of Russia? I promise you I'd be a very different person if I grew up on the streets of Babrusk, Belarus than if I grew up on the streets of Edison, New Jersey. 
a very different person. And so I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, no, and it, it definitely shows with everything you do and how you lead and even how you're, you could probably much say the trailblazer behind, you know, emotional intelligence and the soft skills that are not going to be so soft here soon. Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of people have spoke, spoken about soft skills. I think what is happening, and it was always in me, and really, I was really fortunate that COVID, I mean, COVID's atrocious, but I was fortunate that I had a moment where I was able to sit, and it might have happened much later in life, but given the very difficult circumstances of COVID, I had a chance to slow down, and I was finally able to take it from the back of my lobe, the tip of my tongue, the depths of my stomach, and get it out, which is really, there's been plenty of trailblazers on soft skills value. I think my little tweak on it is for alpha-dominant motherfuckers. I think that's the juxtaposition. Like, I am hardcore out here. I'm trying to be the single most successfully commercial entrepreneur of all time. That is what I am doing on the field. Let there be no confusion. I am trying to be the most successful, commercially successful. Yes, I have my altruistic kind of ideological, I want to impact the world, let alone the kids in a positive, I have that. Comma, I I'm trying to be the commercially most successful entrepreneur of all time. And I don't think that person has come along also with like, let's talk about kindness. <laughs> and so I think that's the tweak and we'll see what that means over the next 30, 40 years. But I can already see the impact and that feels so good because I'm so impacted by a good role model, models, that it's almost like I, I'm guilted and inspired to do it for every, I have so much of it, I like wanna get it all out before I die. And if I can get to all eight billion before I die, then that's what I'm gonna do. So that's what makes moments like this challenging. I know the Gary Vee thing is taking a back seat, but, I'm, but I understand that right now, I have a chance to turn Vee friends into a much bigger version of that. Gary Vee can only be so big. Sure. Empathy Elephant and Patient Panda I can make as big as anything I want. That could be Mickey Mouse. And so I'm up for that challenge. Speak of that a little bit. I know you got VCon that's coming up. Yep. Speak about you know, VFriends and you know, v- what's going on v- there friends. and the excitement. VFriends was my ine- inevitable outcome. All those wrestling figures, all those comic books, all those sports cards, all those videos that DRock and I filmed of me buying old IP and refurbishing it. It was all heading towards this place. I didn't know how, I didn't know what, I mean, we have videos, me, Andy, and D-Rock, three years ago, four years ago now, in a meeting where I'm talking about something called Workplace Warriors, and literally, I think, is that right, D-Rock? I'm using Patient Panda in, yeah. Yeah. And this is, we really, I think it's time, Andy, I think it's time we put that out there. Like, we need to actually focus on that video. So, you know, the reason I'm saying that off kind of, I mean, this has been in me. I've been thinking about creating characters to scale me for a long time. Four years ago in a meeting, it was gonna be a toy company. Now it's an NFT project, but this has been in me. Like I've felt that I could scale my message even more, but that me as a vessel was limited. There's people that will never like me. Like there's a style I have that is just, it is what it is. <laughs> and that's okay, that's amazing. I'm empathetic. If you, are, if you were brought up in a family that really demonized is cursing and you believe that in your soul, well then I'm not gonna land. And that's, fair. I'm not that person. I don't demonize it. 
but I want everybody to be nicer and happier and more, like accountable ant is like my fucking guy. Like I'm gonna make that guy, I'm gonna make accountable ant so goddamn popular and then people aren't even gonna realize that they're gonna, be, they're gonna become more accountable because they love accountable, and whether that's through a Netflix animated show or a feature film or a collectible toy or a, vi- a, a mobile game or a sneaker line, I am gonna make accountable ant big. Gary V big, bigger than Gary V. I'm Gary Vaynerchuk built Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk built Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk's gonna build Accountable Ant and people aren't gonna even realize that it's seeping into their brain out of the love and following the trials and tribulations of Accountable Ant that they themselves become more accountable and I promise you, I promise you, I put it on audio and film so one day people can analyze it. One of the biggest issues of unhappiness in 2022 in America and beyond is the complete and utter lack of accountability. Everybody just wants to point fingers 24 fucking hours a day and tell you why everybody else is doing things wrong. The system, that person, this, just fucking firing fingers 24-7 without a thumb and a mirror ever. Zero accountability. It has been completely eliminated. Just like civility has been eliminated and that's why there's so much fucking confusion in the air and accountable ant is gonna come along and unconfuse people. Yeah, and you're definitely seeing the political. You know, oh. There's so much that's not... And it's uh, beyond politics. Like, I'm not even alluding to politics. In the day-to-day. Oh, yeah, no, even like, like, interaction. Yeah, just like people rolling at work or like at school or at life. Athletes. You know how many athlete business? Coach. Coach nothing. I watch the film. You take every playoff. <laughs> Coach nothing. Coach benched your ass because here's a screen pass. You're a defensive lineman and you're fucking lazy and you didn't run back and you could have made that tackle instead it was a 42-yard play. Lack of accountability. It's really the, it's almost like an evolution of, in the wrong way of self-responsibility. It's almost like, self-responsible for what? It's overcoddling. It's an empire. It's too much prosperity. It's, it's historical. It's too much prosperity. People are crying about they don't have the newest iPhone. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, yeah, no, definitely. People just, people have just gotten entitled. Yeah, no, definitely, 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 definitely. You know, one of the people that shaped you, that I know that you've spoken about before, you know, from, from your high school days, is how did you see, uh, what did Senora Kennedy out of my own, like I said, curiosity seeing you? She was the, well, I don't know what she saw. She had to have seen something. Well, she's she fucking smart. It. She clearly saw it. Um, <laughs> you know, she had enough wisdom in her teaching career. She, you know, I was a product of the 80s and 90s, and the product of the 80s and 90s was college over everything. Nothing else was a proxy to your success. There was no entrepreneurship. Nobody talked about business, men and women. It wasn't popular culture. It was you as a child. Is like what school you go to is the preview to your success. My mother created a cocoon for me of like me believing in myself. So all the self-esteem was built by my mom and by outside. It was really hard not for, you know, it was very easy for me to believe in myself when I would go do baseball card shows and I was 15 and I would make more money than grown-ups all around me. Like the market was telling me I was good. So between that and my mom, I just tuned out the fact that I was failing school, that I wasn't the best at sports, that I wasn't Rico Suave with the, like it didn't really, like, it didn't really, it wasn't, it, it wasn't hurting me because 
it was so obvious to me I had these two sources and then came along my junior year. I failed German freshman and sophomore year. In New Jersey, you can't graduate high school unless you pass language, two years of language. I'm, I'm genuinely scared. I, I change up to Spanish on some fucking like hope shit. Senora Kennedy is the toughest Spanish teacher in our high school. Oh, All really? I thought sophomore year, late sophomore year when I knew I was going to Spanish is like, I hope I don't get Senora Kennedy. I get Senora Kennedy. I'm a junior in with freshmen in Spanish one. And fucking she came through for me. She became the only other grown up that saw me. And that means something to a 16 year old. Sure, I mean, it gives a support system. No matter how fucking strong I, you know, at 46, I'm like fucking strong at this point. At 16, you're still developing. You know, I'm fucking strong at 16. I can't hear the peer pressure. I don't give a shit. I'm fucking focused. I'm, I'm on my way to being who I'm gonna be. But that fucking meant a lot to me that another grown up saw it. Because no matter how much I was delusional or in my cocoon with my mom sees it, the market definitely was playing a factor at that point because it wasn't just my mom. But just like a teacher in school where I suck, it meant something. And I think we all need that. And I like being, I, I, you know, I wonder what my actions were built on. I wonder why I DM people randomly and read their fucking two minute DM and then give three minutes. I mean, I have no time. It's like, a, you know, I get 10,000, but I just pick like, because I feel like the Ricky Henderson wink, even if he wasn't winking at me in 1984, meant so much to me. The Senora Kennedy, I think humans, we need each other. We fucking need each other. And when you can bring value and acknowledge someone, acknowledge someone, show that they're being seen, especially when you're in an elevated place, like a teacher, or like someone who's popular. It's powerful. Especially Ricky Henderson in 1984. It meant the world to me. I mean, I'm, I finally, somewhere around 28, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't think he winked at me. He's probably winking at some girl in the crowd, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was me. And it was like fucking, I fucking wrote a whole blog post about it like in depth of what it meant to me and why do I reply to people still to this day at scale on social media? It's Ricky Henderson. Yeah, no, he was, God, especially like I say, greatest leadoff hitter of all time. Yeah, he was also a real fucking character, so I'm not sure he winked at me, but (laughs) but he might have, and it definitely meant a lot. Definitely. You know, know, like I say, it's one of the questions I I had my son ask me, uh, because like I've told you, big fan, you know, what do you do for fun? Everything. I think the most interesting thing that I haven't tapped into is I stay on fun. You know, I think this is why I'm a really good entrepreneur. It's really fun. Like, like this is fun. Like this right now, doing this interview, feels like, I think, the way people feel about going and golfing. Or people go and ski. Or You don't golf or ski? Not really, nope. I've skied like twice. I've golfed like five times. Though, big shout out to Mark Yudkin who told me that my natural swing is better than AJ's. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I mean, look what, look, look what my favorite hobby is. It's garage sailing. I'm a purebred entrepreneur to the bone. It is, besides competing, board games and physical, I don't want to do anything else. Like, I don't, but I think it's awesome. Like, I love when I see people loving cooking or super hardcore into bourbon. Obviously, I grew up in the wine business where, you know, as I'm starting to realize, the collectability subgene is something that I've always known how to do business with. 
Even my dad's store was a liquor store and I turned it into much more of a wine store because people collected wine. Yeah. Right? The so wine always, collectors that would Right, and now here. the NFT, it's just so obvious in hindsight, which is so fun. Kids who are watching and listening, let me give you a preview. One of the great things about getting older is you start really figuring yourself out and if you're willing to love yourself for your strengths and your weaknesses, you can really start to cook up a meal that can give you a nice, uh, like my next 50 years are only gonna be better. Um, and so I think, uh, I think that, um, I think I do everything for fun. I really do. I really do. Like it's, I'm very, like it's funny when I get into pockets of having to do something for my businesses because I can feel it. It weighs on me. Even like two days in a row of like meetings that are not awesomely fun, they're kind of just in the middle. I still kind of like it, but it's not like really fun. Even those fuck with me. That's how much I think I lean into fun. That goes back into, that goes, and I saw my mom do that as a parent, as a stay-at-home parent. That was her fun. And I think that's why my first book was called Crush It, Lean Into Your Passion. It was already me realizing, like, the way to really win this life thing is recognizing that work (laughs) or being a parent eats up an enormous part of the whole percentage of your whole life, especially when you take out the math of sleeping. It's actually scary. And so... Hey, like money's awesome, fine, but like, boy, is happiness way better than money. And like, keep trying to see if you can find that crossover, you know? And oh, by the way, if that crossover isn't there and you can only only make 48,000 a year, 52, 79, well, live within those means and the fun will take you all the way to the grave in a great way. Yeah, yeah, definitely follow your passion. And- I think people throw around things like be authentic, follow your passion. I think they dismiss it. As somebody who wrote a book in 2008, came out in 09 on passion, almost nobody actually does it. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. People love to talk about it. People force themselves and say, yeah, I'm passionate about it because they like the money they're making. I really wish more people would go into passion because the question for your son on fun, like that was so, I mean, look what my natural answer was. All of it. All Every of minute. It. Every moment. All right of, here. All of it. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's why I think I have so much to give the world. I'm genuinely happy as fuck. And I think, I think work is one of those pieces. So, you know, work feels a good part of your life, you know. Does it ever interfere at all with personal or have you been able to balance Never. that well? Never. It, because, because there's many things to why never. One, do you genuinely like try to spend time with the people you love? Two, do you judge yourself when work gets in the way of something you'd want to do, right? There's been times where I've had to miss something for my children um, because of work. Sure. And I think too many parents beat themselves up for a single incident without realizing that you have a whole life I mean, of course you'd love to be at this third basketball game of the season. I'm not talking about missing a bar mitzvah. I'm not talking about missing like, you know, like a 50th birthday. I'm talking about like, we've gotten to a place where we just are so, in, you know why we point fingers? Because we point fingers, we judge ourselves too much. We're judging everybody else because we're not even happy with ourselves. And we're beating ourselves up on ideologies that are just ludicrous. Like, shit happens sometimes. I didn't even see my dad the first 13 years of my life. And you still stayed very close. He's the fuck, 
he'd love him, I would fucking love, I'd give up my last breath for him. Close. Fucking obsessed with my parents. So, you know, something happened for me that I wish would happen for everybody. We were very not well off in the first six, seven years of my life. Which meant I got to see that I could be extraordinarily happy with nothing materialistic. Yeah, I think it's the greatest gift that anybody could have. Struggle is definitely a great gift. It's actually slightly different, and, I'm tw- and I've said that in the past, but I'm tweaking it. I saw obnoxious levels of happiness without any need for, we used to walk to Kmart because we didn't have a car. Like, we're talking basic shit. I'm not in talking, cold about, weather, I'm not talking about fucking Xbox. <laughs> I'm talking my mom, my sister, and I walked in Dover, New Jersey, five, six miles to Kmart to get something if we needed because we didn't have a fucking car. And I was the happiest person on earth. So I was built knowing that you don't need shit to be happy. It's kind of how I feel about the judgment of parents. I was built without a father being involved. I have an amazing relationship with my father and tremendous gratitude of the sacrifices he did to create foundation. Since I know that, I know that it can be true. Most people beat themselves up for dumb shit and I think we need a more complex conversation around that. Definitely. And speaking of that, you talk about it in your, in your last book and all the books that you've written. Which one's your favorite? That's a good question. <laughs> books are like children. <laughs> they all have a love. They really do. It's really no, I weird. It. I, I really do. Um, I do feel weird about the bookends. Crush It and 12 and a Half. I do feel different about them. I really do. I often say that I have a real love for Thank You Economy. It was the least commercially successful, and it really does have some of the things that I wish more people knew. It's a good read. I get that a lot. I probably get emailed more about Thank You Economy than anything. Uh, and that's not true. Jab, 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 Right Hook really helped a lot of people. It was when everyone was trying to figure out social media. But that was a wild book. I didn't even have an audio book for it. It was like a picture book. Um, crushing it was a lot of fun because I was like kind of back and, you know, kind of... And crushing Sequel, crushing like it did extremely too. well and really like has a nice relationship with Crush It to the point where I really have thought about writing Jab, 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 Left Hook and doing an updated version of like how to do content really strategic, especially with TikTok brooming. So the NFT thing kind of probably threw me off on that, but that was where I was kind of going next. And then I really, really continue to sit on the book that I most want to write, which is called Perfectly Parent Did to talk about some of the stuff we just talked about. Wow. Any last words? Um, yeah, always. Um, <laughs> I think my last words on this kind of vibe of this talk is if you really lean into gratitude and accountability, there's something between those two that I've been thinking a lot about lately. I really, really, really think that we need new conversations in society. I think those two words really matter. I think for the average person, they have no context of where they rank in the eight billion people on earth. There's 850 million people that don't have access to clean water. I don't think people act like that, especially not in first world countries. And I just wish people could read, read the transcripts of what they complain about each day. 
I wish they could. I wish they could sit down every night and just read everything they complained about. And then I'd like them to read it to other people. Wow. I think that would be really neat. That'd be a lot of thumb rule. Yeah, I really think that would be neat. And I wish, and I don't like wishing, which is why I'm acting. I'm trying to execute and leave as much as I can on the table before I'm off the playing field. And so I just, I wish people could lean into some thoughtfulness because there's so much good out there. But life is how you want to see it. If you want to find the bad, good news, you can find it. And if you want to find the good, good news, you can find it. And I, I would implore people to realize that practical optimism is a much better framework on life than default pessimism. I agree. And I think a lot of people out there agree. And I definitely believe that this will be very helpful for a lot of people to listen because sometimes it's the 15th time that they actually get to something. Yeah. And you know, final thought on that last little rant that I think really hit for me, you're going to need to limit your interaction with your most cynical and pessimistic and negative people. And if that's your mom or your best friend, I didn't say cut them out, but life is about what you're listening to. And if you're spending your time with your best friend and your older brother and all they do is complain about everything that sucks, you're in trouble. So find positivity, practical positivity, not delusion. I'm not delusional out here. Practical as fuck. But that's something that people have to audit, the people they spend time with and the people they listen to. There's a lot of people out there selling fear. Fear is cancer. It's unfortunate. Thank you so much, Gary, Thank for you, your time. It's uh, been a pleasure, and I know that this will be very helpful to so many people, so it's definitely going to keep empowering people more, and we thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for your time.